0: in many forms, but something is compelling about watching a true story. Whether you're looking for a tale of underdogs overcoming the odds, a peek behind the curtains, or a new perspective on some of history's darkest moments, the films today take all the facts and spin them into stories that will astound, haunt, and inspire audiences long after watching them. From The
1: Danish Girl to Lincoln to The King's Speech, these types of films can engage audiences in
0: ways that other genres can't. Hi, I'm Nicola. And I'm Michaela. And welcome to the Female female film. Fanatics podcast, we're going to tell you our top choices for the best
1: films based on a true story. So let's get started. Enjoy your movie disclaimer about the podcast, Um, we don't have the high-tech (laughs) university. Yes,
0: Yes, we've both graduated now, which is very exciting, Yes, but it means we don't have access to all the lovely mics.
1: So we apologise for a bit of the background, but we thought we'd just give you a bit of warning. Doesn't mean that our quality of film analysis is going
0: to drop. Exactly. So the discussion will still be on point. The audio might slip a bit, but we're managing. Yes. Had a dream about you last night. You did. What happened? Ow, come on, tell me the dream. Someone walked me home last night. I
1: think it was you. <laughs> so we've, we've talked so happily and now we're going to get into quite a sad film. <laughs> yeah, my first film is. So, and I'm referring to the 1999 dramatic crime biopic, Boys Don't Cry. With Heart and Sensitivity, this film tells the story of transgendered man Brandon Teena's gender, early romance, and tragic murder. In 1993, Brandon was raped and later killed by two men, John Lotter and Tim Neeson, who had learned about him being transgender. The effects of the film rippled into audiences who had never seen a sensitive portrayal of a transgendered person, much less given any thought to the violence they face every day simply for being themselves.
0: Brandon was played by the then-upcoming star Hilary Swank. She was so dedicated to playing the role truthfully that she lived as a man for at least a month. This included wrapping her chest in tension bandages and putting socks down the front of her pants. Her neighbours believed that the young man coming and going from her home was her visiting brother.
1: Now, while this film is a comment on homophobia, transphobia and class in rural America, you can see this in the comparison between Brandon and his soon-to-be killers. Brandon tried to lead his life as a man in a simple semi- rural environment where anonymity was almost impossible. He was attracted to people like John and Tom, who were fringe dwellers with petty crime and antisocial tendencies. Brandon is depicted as being one of the boys, but also being more considerate and caring the most. This is seen in his relationship with Lana Tisdall, played by a Chloe Sevigny. He offers masculinity that is reminiscent of chivalry. Furthermore, John, played by Peter Sarsgaard, was threatened by Brandon's version of
0: masculinity. John and Tom lived to bum, brawl, and drink recklessly which becomes painfully real as the film progresses despite the fact that john and tom break the law whenever they feel like it they are also rigid conformists shaped by the environment that has little tolerance of difference the danger they generate is unnerving and it is into this environment that brandon walks with a degree of innocence the discovery that brandon is biologically female leads to ugly events that will leave audience members unsettled what's going on
1: i'm just looking out for you
0: we can just beam ourselves out there he's got her
1: brain now, the producers originally wanted to film in Fall City, Nebraska, where the real-life events had taken place. However, budget constraints meant that the principal photography had to occur in Texas. The film's cinematography used dim lighting throughout and was influenced by a variety of styles, in particular, neorealism, which basically means few movements, <laughs> and in the style of Martin Scorsese. The soundtrack consisted primarily of blues, country, and rock music.
0: I also heard that when they were on location, a lot of people had issues with the actual content they were filming they didn't want it to be associated with texas They're like no it didn't happen here like we're all good so just they had trouble finding a location because no one wanted that film to be filmed there it's, insane. it's happened with so many films too
1: i can't say that this is a perfect film anyways despite the people who were completely outraged by the topic because it, it does have a divisive legacy especially for trans men as well. So The first issue I have with it is that the film neglected to show that an African American man named Philip Devine was also murdered in addition to Brandon and another mm. victim, Lisa Lambert. It may have been because the director Kimberly Pierce's two hour ran, run time couldn't handle another massive subplot and mm. I get that. And some critics have suggested that Devine's absence in the film solidifies his memory into oblivion.
0: Yeah, it's really important to tell everyone's stories not just one person's yeah
1: but we also don't know as well if Pierce had a conversation with his Mm. family and maybe they didn't want that yeah. to happen because there is that thing that people don't want to be
0: exploited by Hollywood in that way so and also like oh if he's not the main character you're not focusing on him you're not going to do it justice anyway and it's going to be a throwaway plot yeah like
1: I said if you're going to tell the story I believe you should tell it in its entirety but yeah with just to play a bit of the devil's advocate there so furthermore in the years Following the film's release, Pierce has been criticised for casting Swank as Brandon as she's a cisgendered woman playing a trans man. There was also criticism of Pierce's role as director as she was a cisgendered lesbian. And this discussion is even more relevant today in that there is constant debate about representation on film and how to do so delicately.
0: Yeah, absolutely. In fact, the film that I'll talk about next is another example of representation in
1: film. Yeah, Ooh, teaser. <laughs> While this was many filmgoers' first exposure to transgendered people in mainstream media, this is not a film just about being transgendered. Boys Don't Cry explores the contradictions of American identity and youth through the true life and death of Brandon Tina. What emerges is the story of a young American drifter searching for love, a place to call home, and a sense of self.
0: An extraordinary theory. <laughs> Thank you. So what next? Prove it, to prove with a single equation that time had a beginning. Wouldn't that be nice, Professor? A one simple, elegant equation to explain everything. Speaking of diversity in film, the next one we're going to speak about is the theory of everything, which tells the story of Stephen and Jane Hawking, their marriage, and his diagnosis of motor neuron disease, otherwise known as MND or ALS, that thing we all did the ice bucket challenge for. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Remember that? Did you do it? I did indeed do it. I did do it as well. Awesome. So the film is based on Jane's own account of the events in her book. And Eddie Redmayne won Best Actor oh, at the Academy Awards as well as a slew of other awards. And Felicity Jones also got a nod for her performance. Have you seen the film? Ooh. Nicola. <laughs> You have not? I haven't, no. Cool. Well, you definitely need to because Stephen Hawking himself, may he rest in peace, thought that he was looking at footage of himself at certain points in the film. Safe to say Redmayne's award was well deserved then.
1: When stars are born and
0: when they die, they emit UV radiation. So if we could see the night sky in the ultraviolet light, then almost all the stars would disappear and all that we would see are these spectacular births and deaths. Redmayne worked with a dance trainer for months leading up to and during filming in order to train his body to hold itself in the uncomfortable, twisted looking positions associated with MND. Redmayne does such a good job of holding those positions that I It makes my muscles hurt looking at it.
1: (laughs) As with any film based on a true story, the theory of anything takes creative liberties when it comes to certain events and characters. For example, how Stephen and Jane met is not accurate in the film, and Stephen's best friend Brian is a composite of several people Hawking was friends with at the time. It's easier to have one actor portray that relationship than several. I'm not upset by that. If you just want to
0: do an amalgamation of people, if they're not... Yeah, and it makes sense. You've got scenes with Stephen and Brian where when you watch the film with that fact in mind, you can kind of see how this would have been a conversation with multiple people, like more than two people, sorry. Yeah. Like you can totally see that. It's like, yeah, a friendship group would just hang out and be like, are you okay, friend? Yeah. No, you're not. How can we help you? Because sometimes it's more
1: important just getting the point across of yeah. what you're trying to say and then trying to add people who were important in Stephen's life but they're not
0: yeah exactly I don't, I don't also, want to all their
1: friends but like not major
0: contributions
1: to his life yeah
0: and the the film is more so about Jane and Stephen's relationship anyway like if if you watch the film it really focuses on the two of them, and their marriage, them having kids, Stephen, who was given... Okay, so basically, Stephen Hawking died when he was 76, when he was told by doctors that he would die in his early 20s. He was given two years to live when he initially got diagnosed, and he said no to that statistic.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Not on my watch. (laughs)
0: Well, doctors are constantly wrong, but unfortunately with MND, when you get diagnosed, it's downhill because the worst part about it is your brain your thinking remains intact which is why Stephen Hawking yeah. was still researching up until the day he passed away but your body deteriorates and you can't even speak anymore yeah. just like with boys don't cry there was some criticism about the casting of Eddie Redmayne because he doesn't have this disease but the thing with the movie is the filming process takes at least months This one took months and it bounces between stages of the film. You don't film it in chronological order. So, you know, one day Eddie Redmayne had to film when he was sitting in a wheelchair with his, you know, pretend kids that are acting as the Hawking kids. And then the next day he's filming when he first meets Jane prior diagnosis. Like, he's he's completely fine. You can't really do that with someone living with the disease because... By the time that they've been diagnosed with it, they're already suffering from symptoms.
1: And it's also they're
0: acting. They're acting.
1: <laughs> they're acting. <laughs> but it's like that's kind of like saying like all like gay people they should only play gay roles. Only like exactly. otherwise we would not get Barney Stinson. our <laughs> <my mature> Mother. <laughs> yes. Legend. Wait for it. And I hope you're not lactose intolerant because the second half of that word is dairy. Just think oh. about that the next time
0: we all get outraged. <laughs> yeah, exactly. and it was just like Eddie Redmayne's amazing as well. And so Incredible. So there are amazing performances that can be put in by able-bodied actors, but that's not necessarily a bad thing because Redmayne was able to give a sincere representation of Stephen Hawking. Stephen Hawking approved of, by the way. He loved the film. Stephen Hawking's seal
1: of approval. <laughs> That's, that's what we all need in life. Drop it! Relax! You're late, all right? My name's Allen Barry Allen, United States Secret Service. Your boy just tried to jump out the window. My partner has him in custody. I don't know what stairs. you're talking about. What, you think the FBI are the only ones on this guy? I mean, come on. Come on, he's dabbling in government checks here. I've Been following a paper trail on this guy for months now. Hey, you, you mind taking that gun out of my face? Please, really. I mean, it makes me nervous. The second film that I'm going to discuss is Steven Spielberg's 2002 film Catch Me If You Can, starring Leonardo DiCaprio and oh. <laughs> and Tom Hanks. Oh. <laughs>
0: i love them both so much I know. this film
1: tells the story of frank Abingdale jr as he becomes an expert in forgery and disguise and manages to cash checks for millions of dollars acting as a pan am pilot a doctor and a legal prosecutor along the way oh my god what's more impressive he did this between the ages of 15 and 21 and the only reason he did this was to bring his parents who got into hard financial and consequently split up get them back together oh i know well, Spielberg found the perfect actor to fill the shoes of the con man with casting Leonardo DiCaprio. It's DiCaprio. Very, it's obvious to see why all women fall prey to his charm. I mean, it's DiCaprio. <laughs> he was a fast talker, and I'm gonna say it, a slick operator. <laughs> his magnetism dominates the action with the many narrow escape that he pulls that bewilders the FBI. Hanks, we all greatly appreciate you. <laughs> yes. Female film fanatics shows great assurance and enjoyment with his character. The minor roles are also equally important. You've got Christopher Walken, who plays. Christopher Walken. I know, Christopher Walken. (laughs) Christopher Walken. (laughs) As Avignale's father. He starts as the prototype of a con man, but he's like too decent to do wrong, which is just Christopher Walken.
0: (laughs) (laughs) the film delves into broken homes and troubled childhoods. Abagnale, as Nicola said earlier, was dealing with his parents divorce and that around the same time FBI agent Carl hanratty very interesting name there was divorced from his wife, who lived with their daughter in another state. Spielberg said that he wanted to create a film that sympathised with a crook. He explained Frank was a 21st century genius working within the innocence of the mid-60s when people were more trusting than they are now. So this film has some pretty fun trivia, some from
1: Abagnale himself. The film depicts this cat-and-mouse game between Abagnale and Hanratty, however the truth is that some FBI agents did occasionally chase Abagnale but he didn't have a relationship with any any of them and he certainly didn't call every Christmas as he does in the movie. Oh my goodness, does he actually do that? He actually does. (laughs) That's amazing. And As Abagnale points out with flawless logic, Why would I do that? I didn't (laughs) want the FBI to know where (laughs) I
0: was. Can't argue with that, yeah. In
1: the film, shows Frank Abagnale Jr. on the FBI's most wanted list. In real life, however, he never made the list. It's reserved for violent criminals. Ah. That's probably why we can laugh at it more, because he didn't hurt anybody physically.
0: Also another interesting bit of trivia involving the real Abignell was a surprise cameo. Yes, if you fast forward to Abignell's capture in France, spoilers, the policeman who arrests him was the real Abignell. Unlike Boys Don't Cry, Spielberg's star power afforded him to film this picture in 157 locations throughout North America. It was a refreshing blast to see the 60s portrayed in such a colourful and vivid way, as only Spielberg can do.
1: Real life and human stories are often more fascinating and complex than, than, than glossy pretense, and this film follows that line. And this production is more comfortable when the curtains are pulled back, smokes and mirrors have disappeared, revealing the boy without his performative show, playing himself true to us. You have capable performances from both Hanks and DiCaprio, which makes Spielberg's job easy. <laughs> Easier. <laughs> and he ably walks the line between quirky, unbelievable fun and soul-searching character depth. Spielberg has truly returned to form in this picture by simply trying something a little different.
0: well unfortunately we're going to close off the podcast by talking about a film that is just like boys don't cry it is confronting and it is sad
1: we need the full scope that's the only thing that will put an end to this so
0: let's take it up to ben let him decide we'll take it to ben when i say it's time it's time
1: robbie it's time they knew and they let it happen to kids okay It could have been you. It could have been me. It could have been any of us. We got to nail these scumbags. We got to show
0: people that nobody can get away with this. Not a priest or a cardinal or a freaking pope. Spotlight was released in 2016, and it tells the story of the journalists who broke the story of priest pedophilia in the Catholic Church. Now obviously this is a very sensitive subject and sensitive topic, but this film deals with it so well, so well in fact, that it won Best Picture at that year's Oscars. The story is confronting, the acting, editing, sound design and overall feel of the film is so sincere. I was speechless after the first time watching this movie and it's truly hard to watch. If you've seen the film, you know what I'm talking about when I say the credits hit the hardest spotlight is a true example of why it's so important to tell true stories in cinema
1: there was a statistic from that film that was saying like seven percent of priests in the boston area like were pedophiles like which was an
0: insane amount that's yeah that's Mm. a lot yeah and it's during a time when oh the priest caused a problem or you know there was a problem in that church that particular church so what they did when you know it was reported that this priest did this horrible thing they just got moved to another church Mm -hmm. so these journalists fought so hard to tell this story expose this story tell tell the victim's tale and kind of give them support and at one point they had to stop their investigation because 9-11 9-11 happened and all the resources had to go into exposing that and telling those stories so yeah. i'm so glad these journalists pushed for it because it was part of the washington post their special investigative unit called spotlight yeah. it's the spotlight team so the spotlight team that's like yep you can you focus on this one story for months write it to perfection you release it to the public and it's really important to tell the stories that they tell and then they were told to stop and focus on 911 which just shows how huge that story was too. Yeah. And what was really incredible
1: about this film was that it not only was just in America it was
0: spread worldwide yes, which was And it wasn't only Boston. When we selected this location to focus the film about is because the story broke from there. That's the only reason they chose to focus on Boston yeah. in Spotlight. Yeah. Spotlight was really ahead of its time as well. Not just the journalist, but also the film. And as we've both just graduated with degrees in journalism, I think something that I appreciate about Spotlight is not only is it telling a really important true story to people so that they listen as well but it's also highlighting the importance of journalism and the media definitely one to go and watch if you haven't already just maybe prepare yourself first and if you want an
1: extra haunting one add all the other three films on as well like mm-hmm. mean, boys don't cry mm-hmm. maybe oh, finish
0: on. with catch me If You can because Being it's lighthearted. hearted like, oh
1: my gosh and the feeling of everything is other if you can join this podcast, um, we're also available to stream on Spotify, Breaker and Anchor and you can follow us on Twitter at F Female Fanatics where we we'll post up movie stuff, so go check that out. Yeah, uh, We're a new program, so we love all the support and we need your approval to a degree that we find embarrassing. the <laughs> truth. <laughs> yeah, I'm Nicola.
0: And I'm Makao. Well, and this <laughs> is the female, female Film Fanatics Podcast. Is.